What a blessing to be in this service this morning. Amen? Tremendous. Ah. Let me just do a couple of housekeeping things here, if we could, before we just kind of get started uh, on, the, uh, on the sermon. Uh, I, I want to just say thank you and apologize to you also. Uh, I know we had a quick business meeting last week, and uh, everybody's not fond of those. I'm not fond of them either. Uh, and the vote was 214 to 6. Uh, so we're moving forward with the school. Uh, but I just wanted to share my heart with you. One of the hardest things I try to do as a pastor is make sure that we're able to grow in every area. If we grow in children, we got a plan for young adults because their children don't come by themselves. Their adults bring them, and we don't even have a spare room. We don't have a broom closet in this church right now to begin a new class with. And so... Uh, we, we got together, and the chairman of the deacons, Marty Mayfield, and I agreed that it was an emergency-type situation. I was on the West Coast. Case was on the East Coast. Uh, the next week was Father's Day. The next week was Vacation Bible School. The next week was Fourth of July. And if we had waited until after that, there's no way that it's going to be a miracle to get it all ready anyway, and it's going to be impossible without it. And I know some have said, you know, I thought we were raising money to uh, uh, pay this children's building off. We are. We need about $50,000 uh, today to do that. One of y'all write a check. I'd really appreciate that. And uh, I know everybody else would too, keep me from harping on it. Uh, but at the same time, we want to pay the children's building off. We can't stop ministry either. Uh, and things have to move on and move forward. And so I appreciate you and your confidence in the staff. We prayed about that. We think this is the best thing. I believe it's going to be great. And uh, just bear with us, and thank you for participating. Thank you for understanding, okay? And then the second thing, uh, and incidentally, the, the money to put it in the dry is coming out of capital improvement funds, so you won't hear me raising any money until along about August. Uh, okay, so I just thought I'd share that good news with you too. Uh, the second thing is I'm about to just crawl out of my skin. Uh, I want to grab a flag and just run around shouting glory hallelujah uh, because of what the Supreme Court has done this week to Roe versus Wade. And I, I want to be very loving and kind and, and uh, I, I've got pastor friends and they all say, why don't your church ever split? I say, well, primarily because we don't get people who want to split here. Uh, when you preach the Bible, we believe the Word of God. And uh, it really doesn't matter. The Republicans think they've won a big victory. Wow, wow, wow. 63 million babies have been killed, and they finally got it done. And the Democrats on one side, I want to tell you who the real victorious people are. It's the babies that's going to get a chance to live their lives. It's a... It's the babies that will get to live their dreams and their lives and their being with their families. That, those are the ones that are going to win the victory in this. And uh, we, we've got to be careful, uh, you know, because the people we're trying to reach and that we want to see saved, many of those are on that other side. And I, I don't want to upset you, but I, you know, if you're a member of this church and you're not excited that Roe versus Wade got turned around, 
you may be in the wrong church. Uh, because I just want to tell you, we love life here. And we believe life begins at conception. And we believe that those babies have every right to live that you and I have to live. And I also believe that if they can do that with babies, they'll end up doing this with those old people too. When we get to where we can't do anything else, they'll come after us next. But I praise the Lord and rejoice in what God is doing and what God has done. I never, honestly, growing up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, 90s, I never dreamed it would ever happen. I never, it just never, I always prayed, but I never dreamed it would ever happen. And yet God <laughs> is always at work. He's always at work. He'll use anybody and anything to accomplish his will. So I praise God for that. Now let's turn to Philippians chapter 1 and get rid of this hour and a half sermon here uh, so we can get on with lunch. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Philippians chapter 1. We'll begin reading down in verse 27. Imagine with me that you're a con correspondent. And we've been sent to a war area. And uh, we're expecting to see battle-weary soldiers. We're expecting to see soldiers in fatigues. Uh, we're expecting to see dirt on their faces and living in difficult conditions and carrying all the weapons all the time. But instead, when we get there and we unload, lo and behold, those soldiers are not in fatigue. They're in civilian clothes. They're sitting around a swimming pool, drinking cold drinks. They're playing ping pong. They're just having a great time. Uh, and there's no weapons anywhere in sight. And uh, if we were being protected by a, a group of an army like that, we'd have a little worry. There'd be some concern of us. Because what's happened is the army has forgotten its mission. It thinks that its mission is centered around comfort for all the soldiers. It thinks its mission is having a good time. It's forgotten that they could easily fall to a hostile uh, army. I believe that the American church is just like that army that I just described. I think we're sitting here drinking our cold drinks and having a good time, eating popcorn and just enjoying life. And all the time, we're in the middle of a war. It's a spiritual war. The devil is real. And he's doing everything he can to destroy us. And, and, and I want to tell you, when you come to Christ, you have the peace and the happiness. You'll overcome your problems. That's where a happy marriage comes from. He gives you abundant life. So the recruits sign up. We preach that. Come to Jesus. And the recruits sign up. And then we get them here, and suddenly there's no pool. There's no cold drinks. Man, it's one battle after the other. We start dropping. Shrapnel, shrapnel is flying everywhere. People are getting hurt and dying, and the laid-back recruits turn and run thinking, I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I signed up for. The Bible is very clear that the Christian life is not a playground. And even though you may hear that in many places and on television in different places, I'm telling you, God has not saved us so that we can live comfortably. God is far more interested in your holiness than He is in your happiness. There'll come a day when we'll all be happy when Jesus comes again and we're caught up to meet him in the air. 
But there's some problems, there's some tribulation, there's some persecution, there's some trials that happen. As in every war, our mission requires combat and struggle. I was just reminded again a while ago, just a few minutes ago, we started doing the scripture of the month. You know why? So everybody could memorize one scripture a month, and at the end of the year, we would have memorized 12 scriptures. But we've gotten so easy and so complacent. We used to shut it off on the, on the uh, video about the third week and say, let's just quote it. We, we, hey, it's going to be there on the screen. Don't worry about it. We don't have to battle that. We don't have to uh, uh, sign up and, 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 and try to uh, disciple that. It's already there. And if we're not careful, we forget our mission. The mission of this church is to fulfill the Christian mission, and Paul describes it very well in verse 27. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word, that only, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Father, this morning, God, would you just let your spirit have control of this service. I pray you would fill us up with your Holy Spirit today. God, I pray we would not think about ourselves, but I pray that we would honor and glorify you, and our heart's desire would be to see the gospel carried around in East Texas and, and the state and the nation and the whole world. God, help us to be a part of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated there. Philippians, of course, is written by Paul. He's in jail, in a Roman jail. Uh, and comparing his jail to our jails today uh, is not very good. Uh, Paul had no cable TV. Uh, he had no air conditioning. He had no bathrooms. Uh, he had no plush arrangements, no visiting hours. He was in a terrible place. And the only reason he was in a terrible place was because he was preaching the Word of God. He's not done anything wrong. He's not done anything illegal. He was just preaching Jesus. And while he's in that terrible place, he writes a book, uh, writes a letter to the church at Philippi. And uh, he says, listen, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Hey, the whole theme of it is rejoicing. And the reason we can rejoice is because we have the gospel. That's the reason we can rejoice. The gospel is the good news today. Boy, some folk need some good news today. The gospel is the good news. It's an emphasis of all we do. It's in relevance of everything we talk about. Timeless, wonderful news. It's a story that never grows old. It never gets dry. It never gets outdated. It never gets mundane. It's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You don't add anything to it. You don't take anything away from it. It's not the death, burial, resurrection plus good works. It's not the death, burial, resurrection plus uh, denomination. None of that matters. It is the death, burial, and resurrection. 
That's what we've got in common. Now, we looked already, let me just sum it up here, at the fellowship of the gospel. Uh, the Bible says, in spite of our diversity, we're united because of the gospel. He said, let your conversation uh, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Uh, we're all saved from the same message. No one here got saved a different way than anybody else. The ground is level at the cross. Jesus said in John 10, 9, I'm the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. And neither is there salvation, Acts 4, 12, in any other, for there's none other name given among heaven whereby we must be saved. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus in 1 Timothy 2, 5. In John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He said, I am the way. I'm not a way. I'm not the best way. I'm not the middle time way. I am the way. You don't get there without going through the way. Every one of us is like that. So the gospel is centered around Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the gospel. And then we preached about the furtherance of the gospel. Paul says, I'm locked up, I'm tied down. People sending uh, sympathy cards, poor Paul. We're praying for you, Paul. Uh, hang in there, Paul. Keep your chin up, Paul. Everything. And Paul said, hey, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Because let me tell you what's happening. I may be here locked down in chains, but this God is going to use to further the gospel. There are going to be more people saved because I'm here in chains than they would if I would not be here. And then he goes on to say, the church, you're praying for me. There's going to be people saved, and the gospel is going to increase because of your prayer and uh, God meeting your need. Uh, listen, there's nobody here going to debate that heaven is not a better place than earth. Amen? Heaven is a better place than this earth. And Paul's got a big uh, emotional thing going on in his mind when he's saying, hey, uh, Lord, I want to be with you. <laughs> I'm ready to go to heaven. And yet, Lord, I need to be here too. And so it's back and forth in his mind. And I want to tell you, uh, heaven is, is going to be better than anything that we've ever experienced before in our life. But the truth is, we've got some work to do before we get there. Now, some of you may not. Some of you may not. You, this afternoon may be your time to go to heaven. Your work done. But until you have that time, God's got something for you to do. He's got a purpose in your life. And so he said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Just fill in that blank. For me to live is, is it sports? Is it money? Is it cars? Is it land? Is it job? Is it family? Paul said, no, for me to live is Christ. And then I gain on top of that when I die. So the gospel is to be furthered. We ought to do everything we can to further the gospel. That's why we have backyard Bible clubs. That's why we have block parties. That's why we run buses. That's why we have blasts. That's why we do youth camp and children's camp and all of those things. It's not just so that the kids have something to do. Man, we want those kids to be saved and be raised up on the gospel. Because in a lot of places, they don't even know what the gospel is anymore. They have no idea. 
Now that brings us down to, the, to today's sermon. I've got five minutes here. Pray for me. Some of y'all not praying enough for me. That's what the deal is. You need to pray a little bit harder for me. Hey, we've got the faithfulness. We've had the fellowship. We've got the furtherance. And now we've got the faithfulness of the gospel. We've got to focus on the mission. And that is to proclaim the faith of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9, 23. He says that he does all things for the sake of Christ. Paul said, everything I do is for the sake of Christ. I can just hear him. I brush my teeth for the sake of Christ. Because I'm going to be witnessing in just a few minutes. And I don't need to witness with bad breath. So I brush my teeth for the sake of Christ. Everything I do is for the sake of Christ. I'm not asking you this morning to plan everything you do this week for the sake of Christ. I'm not asking you what you did last week. But I have got one simple question. Could we not all covenant together to do one thing for the sake of Christ this week? I'm talking about just one. Just one. Visit someone. Carry them a cake. If you can cook. If you can't cook, don't carry them no cake. Man, that'll turn them off. You don't need that. But I mean, and there's, and there's something we could do this week to say, hey, I mean, my whole life may not be around the gospel because that crazy preacher thinks we are, but I'm not. But there is one thing I could do. I've got a neighbor that needs a yard mowed. I've got a neighbor that, that, you know, maybe somebody hadn't cleaned her car up, a widow lady. I, I don't, but isn't there something you could do? And when they said, hey, what I owe you, just, hey, it's, it's for the furtherance of the gospel. I just did it because I love Jesus. Mm. Well, he alludes to it in other language several more times here. He mentions the word gospel six times in verse 5, 7, 12, 16, and 27. Verse 14, he said to speak the word of God. 15, preaching Christ. 17, proclaiming Christ. 18, Christ is proclaimed. Uh, 20, Christ now even be exalted. And then 21, to live for Christ. You know, to be, understand the gospel, we've got to be clear what he's talking about here. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, Paul determines what the gospel is. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. 300 plus times there is prophecy in the Old Testament talking about the Messiah that's going to die for the sins of man. 300 times. Christ died according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. Wow. His faith here is in the Scripture. It's in the Word of God, in the Messiah's death, burial, and resurrection. But He also affirms the fallen condition of the human race. We're all sinners. There's not a one in this room any better than anybody else. We're all sinners. Uh, you might not like to hear it, but I'm going to say it again. You bunch of sinners. Bunch of outrage. Yeah, yeah. We're all like that. But for the grace of God, for the grace of God, every one of us could be lost in this room and going down a path to destruction and a path to hell. The gospel also affirms the historical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's more proof Jesus rose from the dead than there is Napoleon lived on the face of the earth. It's proven over and over in history, let alone the Word of God. 
The faith of the gospel, it involves some core truths that we've got to be careful that we don't compromise. Uh, there, there's, the enemy's always trying to get us to fudge. You know, if he can get us just a little bit here, he can get us a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. But to fulfill our mission, we need to focus back on the mission itself. So let me just give you three things here quickly. How are we going to do the mission here and in the days ahead, whatever days God gives us? Number one, we're going to fulfill the mission by walking consistently as citizens of another country. Listen, this world ain't our home. We're just passing through here. Some, man, yesterday I, we were just shocked and brokenhearted with, with Griffin. I, I mean, a young man. And then I had a funeral with Peggy McCarty. She was 90 years old. Hey, guys, it don't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter. Our citizenship's not here. We, we, we're citizens of a far better country than what we've got here. To be absent in this body is to be present with the Lord. And the Greek word here, conduct yourselves, is literally live as citizens. In other words, you, you've got a citizenship of the United States, but you also have a citizenship of heaven. And he's saying here, you folk who are in the United States, you live like you've got a citizenship up here in heaven. It's already there. It's a dual citizenship. We ought to be, be uh, uh, evident to people. Now, Philippi was 800 miles from Rome, but it was a Roman outpost. There were barbarians and Gentiles all around them there, but they stuck to the law because they were Romans. They had a citizenship of Rome. And so we have a citizenship of heaven, and, and we need to be citizens, of, yeah, of this world, yeah, but, but I want to tell you something. Uh, I think maybe we've tried to blend in too much to the world, folk. I think we've tried to let the world get into the church. Man, have mercy. I sit in there listening to this choir. Whew, that'd make a backslidden Episcopalian want to shout. <laughs> have mercy. And I know there's all kinds of new fads going on and all this stuff, and we keep a lid on it here. We ain't going to paint everything black. You get to looking at the Word of God, black is the devil's color. I'm just telling you what the Word says. I, you know, we, we ain't going to have no smoke coming out here unless it's a special thing. Now, next week we're going to have some fire. We're going to have to turn that fire thing off, uh, or we're going to get in trouble when we burn that note. Uh, but but we're not, we're not going to have these fog machines. It ain't going to happen. Not, not now. Now, when I'm out of here, you can do whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you, it's not going to happen now. We, we uh, as a church together, walk as our citizenship is in heaven. And I came for the life of me seeing heaven have any fog machines. I better hurry. Let me, let me give you this second thing. We not only walk because we're citizens of another world, another country, but we fulfill the mission by working cooperatively on the same team. We're on the same team. He said, let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. Whether I come see you or be absent, I may hear of your affairs. You stand fast in one spirit. In one spirit. We're, we're to be unified together. Now, we're... We already know we're diversified. 
I mean, we've already talked about that. Some of you crazy guys will get up in the morning at 4 o'clock and put on waders and go out in icy water to kill a duck that you can buy for $1.59 a pound down here in the freezer. I mean, that's diverse, folks. That's diverse. Some of you spend thousands of dollars to buy fish, to, to get, catch fish when you can buy it for $4.99 a pound, fresh, already cleaned. We're all diverse. So what's going to hold us together? Is this building going to hold us together? No. Is the preacher going to hold us together? He better not. The thing that's going to hold us together is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection. Now, how we present that gospel has a way of holding us together. We're not going to candy coat it. I'm telling you, the gospel's real. The death, burial, and resurrection. You can accept it and have a home in heaven, or you can deny it and say, I don't want no part of it. And if you'll see me after the service, I'll show you where your address will be. The Greek word translated here, striving together, we get it from the athletics. That's where it gets from. It means uh, a team together. Uh, I, I used to think when I was young and naive that Christian sports was the way to go. Until I played on some church softball leagues, and some church volleyball leagues, and find out they were meaner than anybody in the world ever thought about me. But I was a fairly decent volleyball player. We would always go in and scope out the team. And if we could find the hot rod in that team that thought he was all good by himself and work him over, that whole team would fold up and quit. They'd get mad at each other and start pop, 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 back and forth. And then you could just win. It'd be no problem at all. Hey, listen, we don't need any long rangers in the family of God. We're a team together. The only ruler we've got is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he has different uh, uh, qualifications and different leadership. I'm the pastor of the church. I didn't ask to be. I didn't want to be. You came looking for me, so it's your fault. <laughs> but I'm the pastor of the church, and I'm going to have to give an account for what this church does. You're going to give an account for what you did in this church. Mm. Let me close. The third thing is we need to be confident warriors. Confident warriors. He said in verse 28, in no way alarmed by your opponents. We don't need to be abrasive. We don't need to be cantankerous. But folks, the bottom line is, if the Lord Jesus had opponents and Paul had opponents and were persecuted, if we stand for the gospel, we're going to have opponents too. It's going to happen. It's happening more and more. Uh, if by your life and by your words you oppose sin and you challenge the illicit ways of the world, you, you're, you're going to, you know, somebody wrote me a note. Uh, you know, people always, I, listen, the offering plates are not made for notes. Made for cash. You, you put money in the offering plate. You want to write me a note, send me one up here. But in the offering plate last week, somebody put in a note. Tell me where Jesus said being a homosexual was wrong. I don't have time to go through all that this morning. 
But if you call me, I'll be glad to sit down with you an hour and a half and go through that. Listen, I, I want to tell you, I, I don't take any joy in, in saying, hey, this is sin. I got family just like everybody else. I got family that's not living right with God. But I want to tell you, I can pat them on the back and say, don't worry about it, honey. You're all right. And they go straight to hell. Listen, this is a real life. This is not a demo session. This is real. What we do here determines eternity. And so we've got to be dressed up in battle. We've got to be ready for the war because the devil doesn't take a, he doesn't take a vacation. For some reason, Christians are often surprised when people don't like them. You, you don't have to be cantankerous or anything. Sometimes you just walk in the door and you're full of the Holy Ghost, man. People don't like that. You want to be happy and they want everybody to be mad. If they were that way with Jesus and they were that way with Paul, Paul is saying, don't be alarmed. That's a, that comes from a Greek word of a horse saying startled. Don't be startled. Don't be alarmed. Why? Because we don't read the end of the book. You don't have to be alarmed about that. We're going to win. We're going to win. I, I heard a story about a boot camp guy in the Coast Guard. The recruit showed up, and he was a laughing stock of the whole base. His recruiter had told him that the Coast Guard base was on an island. So there'd be time. He could carry his fishing, you know, stuff. There'd be time to fish, and there'd be time to surf and different things like that. So he shows up at the Coast Guard base <laughs> with his fishing pole and tackle box and all that, and they just laugh him silly. He said, they took up everything I had. They even took my comb away from me. They took every privilege. They couldn't watch TV, couldn't read a newspaper. Uh, they, 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 he said, man, it was rough. Now, why would somebody need to go through something like that? Because they're wanting to build a team of militant combat soldiers that won't quit when they get on the field. Could I tell you something this morning? I believe, now I don't think the devil can know your heart. And that, if you keep your mouth shut, that'd be a blessing to you. But most of us can't keep our mouth shut. So we, stop, we talk about all this stuff. Could I tell you this morning, and I believe the devil probably knows what it'll take to get you out of church and out of serving God. For some people, it'll just take somebody to come up and be smart. Somebody that maybe think, you know, you're sitting in my pew, and so they just leave church forever. Man, I would, I'd sit behind them there and I'd make it miserable. <laughs> the devil knows what it takes to get you to stop right now. Every one of us know people that at one day was serving God and they're dropped out. They've quit. You know, the glorious thing that, that I love is that verse in 2 Timothy 2.12. He said, if we suffer, and we know we are. We've already been told we're going to suffer. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. I'm asking you today, don't deny Christ. I'm not telling you it's a bed of roses, but I'm telling you it's the only way out to be a winner in the end.
That's it. That's the only winning team. There's no other winning team. It's the team that will give you salvation. And even, you know, like the McCamey saying, sometimes he calms a troubled storm and sometimes he calms me. But he's right in the middle of it. What are you going to do this week with the gospel? Father, you know every one of our hearts here. You know all about us. I pray this morning for those that are closest to death and closest to hell. God, would you save them before it's everlastingly too late. Don't let them put it off anymore. Let your Holy Spirit be powerful with them. For those that need a church home, God, may this be the day. Those that just need to come and pray. Lord, we lift our families up to you. We lift uh, the babies up to you. God, there's going to be more babies to adopt and more, uh, Lord, ministry opportunities in the days ahead than we've ever had before. Help us to rise to the occasion. God, most of all, may we do everything because of the gospel. May we think about the gospel and think about reaching out see other people saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?